brought to you by Crimson Colt Media. We've got you now. No turning back. Welcome to Moths to the Flame. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my darklings, back again. We are here for another Moths to the Flame episode. I am so excited that you guys have chosen to join with me again. You weren't frightened by the first episode. Um, You're actually here. This is going to be a mini moth episode. This is one of the the shorter and more personalized episodes that we're planning to do between myself and Kara and Kim. Um, For my episode specifically, most of you guys know, or you are learning, or you learned in the first episode, that I am a writer, and I love to write fiction primarily, historical horror to be exact. I have always, always been drawn to the spooky side of life, and um, thanks to a dear friend of our family, I ended up falling in love with history my very first class in college. So shout out to Casey Cobb if you're listening. Um, It truly, the way that he presented history uh, as a really a, a story of life instead of just memorizing dates spoke to me in a way that forever changed my life. And so... Um, this story that I'm going to read for you all today, it's actually, we're going to make a series of this and I'm going to do an episode per chapter. Okay. And this is from the very first novel that I wrote completely independently, um, back in 2020. This is my quarantine book. (laughs) Um, and the idea from it sprang from a, an article that I read about, Benjamin Franklin, and they redid his home. They did some renovations in 1998, his London home, and discovered 17 skeletons in the basement, which, (laughs) you know, most people are like, oh my gosh, Benjamin Franklin. He was, you know, involved in so many things. A brilliant, brilliant man, definitely an asshole, but, um, you know, most people would think, oh, he was doing some sort of illegal anatomy study underground you know, biology, whatever, anatomy, physiology study. And my brain goes, nope, boy's a serial killer. So, (laughs) especially with his involvement in the Hellfire Club and the deeper I researched into his history and the more that I learned about his actual family and his actual life and his lifestyle and his beliefs and his thoughts, um, really quite a surprising journey that was. And it just filled my head with this amazing crazy, creepy, (laughs) very twisted take on uh, Benjamin Franklin as a serial killer. So I want to read you guys uh, this story. It's it's the book of my heart, the book that I I learned how to write with. And I truly believe that, um, you know, my skills have changed, but this This prose is so close to my heart, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. So we're going to do this in a serialized format on the podcast, and then you never know. If you guys like it enough, maybe I will self-publish it, or someone will be interested in publishing it out in the trad world. But here we go. Join me on our journey through Crimson Cobblestone. And just to be clear one more time, this is an adult horror fiction novel, so... Trigger warning, there are 
some very sensitive topics discussed in this book, some graphic violence. Um, just proceed with listening to this book with caution um, and know that I, this is your warning, all right? This is your time. This is your opportunity to bail out now and ignore this mini moth episode if horror is not your thing. This is a gothic horror romance type of story, but I promise you there are some, some pretty graphic scenes in it that, um, you know, I just want you to be aware of. You know, this is your war- This is your moment. Don't, don't say that I didn't warn you because here it is. So trigger warning on this book and, and honestly trigger warning for all of my books in the future. Just, just know that. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. We begin with a poem. Young men did meet across the sea of art and wit, high society. Hellfire's club, so named were they, toward drunken sadist of debauchery. One man was not completely born till he had passed through death, a chasm of humanity torn with his victim's final breath. For two hundred years their name did grow, yet seventeen souls were buried below, beneath the floor of Franklin's home, and thus inspired the following tome. The first chapter of Dark Persuasion, Philadelphia Colony, 1739. Am I a monster that stalks in the night? Justice comes swiftly with terror and fright. Timothy Turnstone. Silence can be the most deafening of sounds. The silence after an emission of love. The silence of a stillborn babe. More importantly, in this moment, the necessary silence of one with everything to lose. The man in the crimson cloak slipped between shadows, choosing his path carefully. The well-worn cobblestones of Philadelphia's town square were littered with patches of stubborn grass, weeds far more resilient than the denizens that called this city home. It did a fine job dampening the clack of his wooden shoes. Stealth was a skill he'd mastered by sneaking up on young women to elicit a giggle. Now, it could mean the difference between life and death for him, or another. Darkness hides many unscrupulous deeds, and tonight he was especially thankful for it. The shadows of this night disguised his purpose, the execution of justice. The stolen axe in his white-knuckled grasp slipped in his hand as the aroma of baked goods wafted closer. He'd tasted the buttery sweetness of these warm buns with sugar and cinnamon since he was a child, but never again. Tonight he came for the baker who made them. The man in the crimson cloak paused. A moment of doubt. If he chose this murderous path, he would surrender to the twisted, unexplored desires at great cost. It was a journey he must make in order to join the ranks of those he admired. The pursuit of secret knowledge and power warranted a sacrifice. To live an elevated life, he must do this and forfeit his heavenly soul. Peering through the grimy window around the back of the baker's house, he watched the man at his table. Gail Williams was well-known and generally well-liked, except by the girls whose bottoms he pinched. And them. Those he served required this kill. He dare not question them. Flickers from the oil lamp illuminated his pinched and haggard features. The baker was a portly fellow, unsurprising given his chosen line of work. He'd never taken a wife nor learned to clean for himself from the look of things. His shirt was untucked, Breeches unbuttoned, and both of his shoes were strewn about the floor, leaving the man with black-bottomed feet. What atrocious, yet fitting attire to die in. The stench of this filthy abode overpowered even the most delectable smells from the bakery at the front. 
Clearly, the townspeople had no concern about buying bread from such an unclean man. His unkempt home would serve as the place of ritual, the doorstep a sacrificial altar. The baker, Gail Williams, was little more than a goat to the slaughter. Tonight, the earth would drink his blood. Fear of sin and hell were too often used as a reason to abstain from darker desires. Yet, if such crazy cravings existed within himself, surely they were present in others. He watched as Williams hunched over, reading a passage from the open Bible on his desk, but his eyes kept darting to the door. "'Tis this night that decides. For this night, the cobblestones will run crimson." The sudden yowl of a cat, hissing and spitting to the right, startled the man in the crimson cloak. So much for stealth. His skin seared with scratches from the nearby holly bush. Knock, knock, knock. He tapped on the door with the axe's blade, leaning over the window to watch as the baker rose from his chair and hobbled over, visibly drunk. The man in the crimson cloak chuckled. "'Twas no angel knocking on the door this night. With the devil's own luck, he could finish this deed unseen. He turned as the back door crashed open, the silhouette of Gail Williams blocking most of the light from inside with his bulging presence. "'Come on out, you cock-robin!' There was still a chance to choose a different path. He could run, or he could fulfill his noble purpose." One insignificant life would pave the way to the remaining five required of him. This was only the beginning. He rose from the bushes to exact Gail Williams' sentence. He had made his decision, and the choice was sin. The baker stepped back, but the men in the crimson cloak grabbed him. Gail Williams' spluttered prayers and pleas for mercy were a pitiful sound. Alas, his cries to God would go unheard. One quick swing in his life as it had been would cease to exist. One quick swing, and he would begin the transformation into one of them. The shocked expression of his prey would not be so easily forgotten, nor would the swish of the, swish of the axe through the crisp night air. To the bitter end, he whispered. On impact, the baker's skull cleaved in half, the blade slicing clear to his lip. The galampus man fell through the threshold, the sound of his blubber as it slapped the floor, as repulsive as the death gargle that escaped his split mouth. Mouth agape and eyes wide until the last switching ceased, the baker died. It could have been anyone at all, as this was merely the price of entry. The other five sacrifices would be chosen with more care. Tonight, it was the baker's blood that pooled and ran in rivulets, mixing with the grime of the floorboards and the dust of the earth. His own blood thundered in his ears. What calamity his hands had wrought. Tonight, he had been reborn into something far greater than himself. Soon, he would join them and achieve transcendence. Silence rang in Philadelphia once more. The silence of a soul departing for the afterlife. The silence of his consciousness. The silence of his conscience. More importantly, in this moment, the silence of one with everything to gain. And that concludes chapter one of Crimson Cobblestones. Tune in next week for the second chapter.